0: Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow,
1: and can even make life better.
0: We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. We did that thing again. Where we talked for like two hours, and then went. Wait a minute, we should go talk for at least an hour and share this. We shouldn't this be with surprised. By this. We shouldn't be surprised. You shouldn't be surprised. No. Welcome to almost. The 600th podcast of the show. This is 597. 600 is coming soon. And we're just excited to have you guys with us. Yeah, indeed. 600 is coming. It's going to be another YouTube live
1: stream scheduled for Thursday, May 6th, 2021. Mm-hmm. We will be doing it a little bit later in the evening, hopefully to accommodate everybody's work schedules and yeah, yeah. just kind of get a little bit more engagement. And that is all kinds of questions. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Just bring all the questions. And I know you guys have been
0: saving things up. Well, we'll also so have questions because of the YouTube live stream. We'll be pulling questions off of as well. we'll do questions yeah, in yeah. advance like we all. Exactly. We'll ask questions live while we're doing the live stream. It's going to be madness. They're always very fun.
1: May is also a big month for us because we are planning a Texas meetup in Austin. We are coming to Austin. I continually will say that I know nothing about Texas until I go there. Mm -hmm. You're about to go. I'm excited. We are going to be doing a fan meetup. So that is the Friday evening and Saturday before Memorial Day weekend. So of Memorial Day. uh, Of Memorial Day. But uh, that'll be just to leave. So hopefully Sunday and Monday for, uh, you know, your family activities and whatever yeah, else you're doing. Sure. But uh, sure. we'd love to see if you're in the area. would love to, to have you come out. More details are going to be on the Everyday Driver website. Yes.
0: Under events. Registration is coming very, very soon. I'm sorry we don't have that up yet. This, this one was a little bit difficult to plan and so there's been a lot of last minute changes. So that registration is coming soon. I should also let you know this is an a la carte meetup. If you can come to the Friday night meal and none of the rest of it, come. Yeah, right. It's not right. like, oh, I can't come to all of it. That doesn't matter. We've had – every time we do a meetup like this, we've, we've done Atlanta, we've done other places. Every time we've done a meetup like this, what I love is the fact that there's various people at various events. That's the way it's set up. So just come mm-hmm. for what you can come for. We'd love to see you. Did you see the F9 trailer has been released? This is my kind of movie, baby. Well, but the, they, they had the F9 trailer a year ago. Well, I know. And they but pushed it off for COVID. This was the
1: updated version. There were uh-huh. even more things in there and even more it's exciting non plot lines. The
0: family theme. Continues, views, but yes. even
1: more things that move.
0: Yeah. And, and blow up and. Yes. Roll the explosions yes. and
1: the. I can't believe they pulled that off. Only CG could have pulled that off. Yes. There's kind quite of a movie. Of yes. I'm, I, I'm so. I didn't thrilled. tell
0: you until right now. I forgot. What? I was watching the other night. I was just flipping around trying to find something to watch. And I saw that I could watch for free the Stallone F1 film driven. Oh, no. And so I watched it. You Wait, I, I watched it. You watched it. I watched it without you because I wanted to see how bad it was. And honestly, I'm actually going <laughs> to spare you This is my that not one. disappointed face. I'm going to spare you that one. It was Good. even worse than I imagined. It was just, it was the, the level the of bad. Of all of his movies. Going in, That's I, the worst. I remembered it being bad. Watching it again, I was staggered at how bad.
1: Wait, I said Daybreak was the worst, didn't I? You did say Daybreak. Daybreak, Daybreak, Daybreak was pretty Daybreak bad we're going to have too. to
0: watch, yeah. And Stallone wrote, driven by the way. He did? Well, oh, he wrote it. Yeah, I didn't he's, know he's that. The, he's the credited screenwriter. Oh. Not his idea, but he's the credited oh, yeah. screenwriter. And I'm going to avoid the rant, but wow, it was rant-worthy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got a great topic Tuesday for you from
1: Brian in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. He is asking about his potential driving to disappointment by getting a new car. <laughs> okay. We've also got a listener update from Cameron in Macau, China. He gives us an update about Macau and car ownership there that not, I thought I'd share. It's
0: awesome, but it's not like we asked about Macau. We just got an email well, from yeah. Cameron. Who just said, "Let me tell you what it's like to have a car here." But
1: you know yeah. what? It's one of those things where we wouldn't have thought to ask. And it's Never really in a million years. We've also got Paul Y in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, wondering how does he commit to the manual transmission issue. Well, he's got a commitment issue about nano transmissions so yeah for
0: sure and plus a lot of great uh, audience questions coming up as well you guys are always awesome with those i look forward to talking about those when they come up driveshare is the coolest online car sharing platform around i even have my car on there it's simple by connecting car owners with renters driveshare unlocks the joy of driving you can drive something crazy cool that way renters can find cars that bring out the awesome at
1: every moment while owners can earn extra cash to fund their passion To sign up, cruise over to Driveshare.com or download their app for
0: iOS or Android. That's Driveshare.com.
1: Brian in North Carolina writes to us. He says, this is not the email I expected to write. (laughs) I love it. He's been an Everyday Driver fan since he discovered us on YouTube back in early 2016. He was thinking about replacing his 2010 Subaru Outback. He was looking around at Accord Coupes when he found our series comparing the Accord, the A3, and the Mercedes CLA.
0: That was a while ago, by the way. Yeah. yeah.
1: I still... um, I still remember that shoot, though. I remember being cool on it. shoot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, He says, fast forward through countless hours of YouTube and podcasts and movies, TV
0: seasons, marriage, discovering fatherhood, new careers, returning to old careers. So you're saying life in the last decade. It has been a decade since you watched I can't that piece believe when it first that. came out. So it's a frightening amount of time. And uh, he's still driving the same 2010 Subaru Outback. And he notes, while I'm here, it's a CVT and it's gray. So what's happening is oh that our friend Brian is contributing to the plague that is the Super Outback. You should come to Park City because apparently they're all here anyway. The other, oh, the other morning we broke our record. Oh, you did. My son and I. Counted How many? Twenty-two. What? Between my house and the elementary school, twenty-two Outbacks. Now, on one I, level, I don't know what to do with that. We information. were very excited because we broke the record. Great. On another level, it's not a big distance. <laughs> That's a lot of Outbacks. Like
1: 10, 12 minutes, right? Oh, not it, even that, that
0: much. Not even that. Much. It's like seven minutes. G-I. Yeah. it uh, Honestly, it, it's it's short enough distance that I've considered if we didn't have to cross a freeway, we could bike to school. It's that kind of distance. 22 Outbacks. Oh, my gosh.
1: Well, back to Brian's email here. He says, truth be told, the Outback has been a great car. I'm sure. It's reliable, comfortable for long road trips, hauled more things than he can count. He says it was the right tool and appliance for the job. Mm-hmm. He was perfectly happy. Until he found us.
0: We are the bad influence you didn't ask for. I know. I'm well aware. I love that you rediscovered your childhood love of cars. That's amazing. I love that. And Brian, he's
1: now lusting after rear-wheel drive sports sedans. Okay. Pouring over specs and reading review after review and listening to the podcast. Thank you, Brian. But according to his wife, this is all our fault. Yes. Yes, it is. He's, mm. She's not wrong. She's not wrong at all. His wife is the one from the Valentine's Day podcast, Mm -hmm. Todd, that you did with your wife. Yes.
0: Who asked about how to stop her husband from lusting after cars. (laughs) Good luck on that. Meanwhile, his son, Dylan, we actually answered a question for him a while back about flying cars and Dylan loved that we did that. So they're a bit embedded. This is the first time we've heard from Brian officially for Brian's sake, but uh, Dylan and his wife have both uh, chimed in before. So let's see if we can tackle this. Well, he says this is the
1: part where he asks for recommendations. Nope. Nope. Mm-hmm. He says, as I said, this is not the email that he expected to write. The minister of finance has reminded him that they're saving to buy a
0: house. I think that's an ongoing reminder. It's not like it just happened. <laughs> this is a recurring reminder in Brian's life. By the way, uh-huh. we're saving for a house. I know you want that car too. still saving for a house. Have you noticed <laughs> saving for a house? Yeah, well,
1: that just means he's going to be driving the Outback in gray with a CVT. Did he mention that he is the original owner? <laughs> I guess you didn't. But now we know. He says, listening to a recent topic Tuesday on finding the wow in cars, a fear crept into his head, and that is when it's finally time to get this new car and new experience, how do we, the Mm. royal we, avoid setting ourselves up for disappointment? Mm. Considering how long he's had the Outback, he doesn't want to set his expectations so high that six months into a brand new car, he's filled with,
0: eh. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So he's asking us, have we ever found ourselves in this situation, and how do we avoid or deal with it.
0: Mm -hmm. This This is great uh, stuff, Brian. It really is cool. Yeah.
1: Thank you for writing Brian. And I am jumping in here because I think that you can be so done with a car. First of all, that anything that replaces it automatically carries about six months worth of goodwill. Yay. I have this now. It doesn't have a CVT (laughs) or, or gray. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I just want you to know, Brian, that it takes me six months to a year to, for a car to really feel like it's mine.
0: And you and said all that before. Mine. That's interesting. Yeah.
1: I can't understand why, but it does tie in with the amount of press cars that we drive.
0: True. They true. don't
1: feel like they're mine. And so I have this clinical mm. distance yeah, from them. That's a good point. Even though they speak to me emotionally, I might want it. Mm. It's still not mine. And I'm still able to compartmentalize it and say, mm-hmm. here's mm-hmm. the clinical analysis of it, but now the emotion is I want it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm. Wanting you to hear, Brian, is that emotion. There's always euphoria when you bring home the kill, that new car, and emotions are in play here. There will always be that possibility for buyers or more, something, to, Todd, that you've mentioned. I, you, I suffer from every have. single time I
0: buy a car. About 48 hours in, I, it's like, wake up in cold sweats, like, I got a terrible deal. This car's going to break. I have just bankrupted this. I have that every time I buy a car. And it's not like I haven't bought very many. Anyway, yeah. And, and what was a phaeton? I was going to say. I don't care if the show With bought your- it. That The talk about terror. Well, you bought the Mitsubishi too. Yes, I did. I How bought did you a feel about that? Yeah, then it blew the engine. I'm still paying for that. Yeah, <laughs> that hurt. Anyway,
1: well, there will always be this possibility, but you can lessen that, Brian, with good driving homework. Okay. Now, my dad always taught me to project a little bit when I'm doing some traveling or I'm buying something or I'm selling something. He always just said, "How are you going to feel about this in mm-hmm. two months? You know, you're selling that; it's going to be out of your life." You still see yourself being fine with that or you're buying something. Do you think, you know, financially you still see yourself based on your lifestyle you'll, you'll be able to afford whatever that is, a house, a car, you know, anything like that. And so whenever I'm traveling, he'll say, all right, imagine yourself in this situation and you're in another country and you're hungry and what are you going to do? And just kind of think ahead
0: and you go to McDonald's, don't you? You just solve it.
1: No, I don't.
0: I know you do Although don't. Tom <laughs>
1: continually tells us that McDonald's in Europe are so much better, and I'm still unconvinced.
0: Well, because you didn't actually get it. I got right. McDonald's in, in Europe. It's, it's fine. But here's, here's See, the thing. It's different. I'm not interested in fine. Yeah, it's different. I'm in Europe. The I croissants understand.
1: are different. The, I know. I get it. I the flour and the butter and the water is different.
0: If you go on our pilgrimage on. trip ever, some point about two days in, there's a breakfast where Paul just starts off on his breakfast soliloquy. He just oh. goes on and on about the butter. You've already heard of a sneak preview, but it's a whole thing that happens in this part of the pilgrimage the trip. The
1: croissants in Europe. Right? I know. I've heard. And the espresso uh, yes. and the oh, cappuccinos. All of
0: this is, yes, it's happened before.
1: Now, Brian, you can always project a little bit and say, do you think you'll miss this car? You keep telling us that you're the original owner and it's a CVT and it's in gray, but you have a bigger goal that your wife keeps reminding you of. <laughs>
0: I'm sure he's aware by now, but, but Yes. Brian's saving for a house, by the way, in case you didn't know. (laughs) Just in case. Yeah, Brian and his wife.
1: Now, what are your reasons reasons for selling? Do they overcome those emotions? Mm. In your case, well, yeah, you're getting a house. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Get rid of all the things in my life. We're getting a house. Sure, yeah, yeah. I can definitely see that. But then when you use the car in all kinds of situations, what are you planning to use the car for? Mm. Because it takes a while to have it start to integrate itself into your life. Because you can't just, I got the new car and I brought it home, and you can't just think, oh, no, what did I do? Give yourself some time.
0: Yeah. Even Give if yourself... you do think, what did I do? Give yourself some time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess even if it you think to that. It happens to me, yeah.
1: But start to integrate it into all those things that you had planned for it, whether or not that car changes your lifestyle or adds to it, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. canoes and guitars and campfires on the beach. He's already doing that.
0: He has an outback. Well, I guess so. There's already canoes and beanies. That's I already guess part there of is. Life.
1: Okay, so the new car that will fulfill those needs. What else are you going to do with it? Wait until you do that thing that you're thinking about. I can't wait to get the Mm -hmm. new car so I can do insert activity here. And once you do, you might think, man, was that the best trip and choice ever? I don't think we would have been able to pull that trip off if I didn't have this cool car. Mm. Or you might kind of discover, wow, I guess I I bit off more than I could chew. I I didn't really need that. And I... I doubt that's usually the case because again in your case with a gray CPT powered outback anything will have a, a good grace there and we you'll think. be able to kind of enjoy it. And so uh I don't think that your your concern necessarily is uh is quite justified. And that is because you want you want that new experience and I think you need to allow yourself to have that experience rather than hanging on to the old
0: Allow yourself I to live with the car. I see that. I see that. I think there's another layer to this, too, that Brian's speaking to, and that is, uh, Brian, I hear from you in this email, you're concerned about when the time comes, post-buying a house, apparently, because we've heard from the Minister of Finance. Indeed. When the time comes to get something else, what happens if you are six months in and you just go, I don't like this very much? So, Brian, I want to speak to that for a minute, because first off, you've had this outback kind of forever. You've had, you're the yeah. original owner. You've had it for a decade. You don't even know when it's going away. But what's interesting about that is in this same email, you mentioned it's good traits. You say it's reliable. You say it's been great for everything you needed it to do. It's, it's, it's jack of all traits. It's been phenomenal. You're able to sit and clinically list the things that it does well mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right after you've told us it's a CVT and it's great. Right. So you don't like it, but you absolutely respect it and you enjoy things about it. And that's the key thing I want to drill down on because there is no car that's perfect. This is the thing that makes me laugh about YouTube commenters. Because you and I will say, you know, fifteen good things about a car and three bad, and suddenly we're haters. All right. Because right. somebody watching, there is nothing wrong with this car ever. It's the gra- I, if I only had my entire life would be complete if I just had a whatever. No, you wouldn't. And that car has <laughs> yeah. stuff that if you own it, you'd be like, "Well, that's kind of weird. I have to pay extra money for that." Or, or, or why does this work this way? That's yeah. awkward. Yeah. I, any car on the planet has good and bad things about it. And I'll give you two extreme examples from my own life. At the same time, I owned a. Lotus Elise and a Volkswagen Phaeton. At the same time in my life, those could not be more different. If I asked either of them to do the strengths of the other car, I would only be universally disappointed.
1: Fair if enough. If I asked Fair the enough.
0: Lotus to be a nice place to be on a thirty-degree winter morning, it would fail. But okay. The Phaeton okay. Hop on it. Heck, I hopped in it multiple times. It was like negative 10. You just like the heated seats. I turned on the heated seats and the seat massager, and it had all-wheel drive, and I got down my driveway with all kinds of snow in it, and I went through and passed everybody on the planet like they were sitting still because it's a tank. It's got winter tires on it, and this is what it does well. Yeah, it was doing
1: that thing that—I that. that mm, I don't think you saw that coming in the Phaeton. I mean, you kind of did, Yeah, but yeah. I don't think to the extent— that you enjoyed that feeling. I enjoyed
0: the respite of it, which is the last thing I'm looking for when I hop in the Lotus. It's the last thing I want is a respite. Right. I want to be engaged with this thing. I know it's going to be loud and raw and crazy and that's going to vibrate. And what is that new rattle? And that's all going to happen. And I don't right. care. I love it. Right. Because do you realize how this thing drives? Mm. Which mm-hmm. I'm excited that the Phaeton could drive. That it kept running, that the transmission <laughs> shifted, and I don't, I, steering feel, who cares? So my point here, Brian, is whatever car you get next, I think you will initially be a kid in a candy store. You may have my problem of, of unbelievable buyer's remorse, but it, it goes away, I promise. The sweats fade. Anyway, but <laughs> once, you, once you get past that, though, I think <laughs> you will have a lot of excitement for a long time because you just, that's my car now. But I, I bet you, week one, you're going to find something annoying with that car. Whatever it is you just bought, you're going to be like, why is that like
1: that? Possibly, but to your point, all those benefits that you're looking forward to and then now experiencing will overcome that. You'll you'll notice I, it and you'll th- overcome that feeling or that dis- little tiny disappointment.
0: Yes, well, I'm giving you the freedom, Brian, to accept the fact that whatever that thing is on the car you might buy that annoys you is fine because no car is perfect. Agreed. It has agreed. other traits, hopefully, that you bought that you like, That you're like, that's weird that they did that with the door handle. But you mm-hmm, know what? Mm-hmm. Who cares? Because fill in the blank. So... Don't go into whatever your next car is deciding that it is it needs to be perfect. And also, in spite of your 10 years of ownership or your Outback, don't go in assuming you have to keep the next one 10 years. This is the thing about cars is you can trade them out. You can have a car yeah, six months you. or a year, and you can go, you. I liked this, but it's not right. And here's the thing I like about it, but I'm still getting rid of it. We have emails coming to the podcast all the time that are like this. People are like, I had this. I loved it for a time. That time has passed. I'm moving on. It could have been six months. Who cares? Cars allow this in a way that few items in your life and few relationships in your life will allow. (laughs) Yeah. Okay? So just because you're getting the next thing, don't please, 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 don't buy your next car thinking, I'm going to have this for a decade. Don't put that pressure on the car. Agreed. You may you may and have yourself, it for a decade. Yeah. You've had this one for a decade. You may have it for four or five more years. Who knows? House, but <laughs> don't go into the next car going. Okay, this ha- I have to have this for a decade because if it doesn't work out, you can move on. I'm nodding in agreement
1: over here. You can't see me, but that is the perspective, Brian, that I wanted to remind you of. Imagine you bought a house and then you say to your wife, "Honey, how come we didn't notice that chemical waste dump that's just beyond our backyard?" <laughs> Selling it's going to be fun. What did we do? Yeah. No, it, it's this. It is a major investment, Mm -hmm. and I understand that tax, title, and license is a percentage, and it does cost money. So it's not like it's free to just flip a car. But it's so much less of a hurdle to do that rather than a house or, to your point, a relationship. These kinds of things, we can kind of think about trading out. And Mm -hmm. I point the fingers at me. I, I don't know when the Cayman's going. I, I don't know if I want it to. I don't know. But I
0: will have had the Lotus four years this summer. That's inconceivable to me. I thought I was going to have that car two years.
1: And yeah. neither of us were thinking long-term with them. No. It was more of a right now. And I think you can put more of a a right now, a short-term right now kind of perspective on cars. Mm-hmm. Whereas you don't do that with houses. True. You don't True. do that with your spouse, your significant others. You don't think that way. You think long-term. So... Change your thinking from that long term, as you said, back to this is going to be six months. If it works out for
0: longer than that, great. You loved it. And you're reveling in the good things about the Outback in spite of the fact there's things you don't like. Whatever you have next, revel in the good things of that. Agreed. Agreed. A quick
1: update from our listener, Cameron, in Macau, China. He just started listening about two months ago, he says, and he's hooked. He is Australian, but he currently lives in Macau. And he says, I don't know if you guys know much about it, but it's a tiny city state 60 kilometers away from Hong Kong. He says it's only, in American, 44 square miles and one of the most densely populated places on the planet.
0: For those of you elsewhere in the world, he does list it as 115 square kilometers. So, um, yeah, uh, 44 square miles. Not big. Tiny. um, Well, he says
1: all this in addition to the fact that Macau is the casino capital of the world, having larger yearly gambling profits exceeding Las Vegas. He says it's a very strange place for vehicles because of these factors. Mm-hmm. Cameron, I'm I'm loving that you're just kind of giving this update because you're experiencing what I think many people don't even see or, or yeah, know for about. Sure. He says the land is so limited in Macau that everyone lives in apartments, and therefore parking is very limited.
0: It reminds me so much of what Monaco is like. Yeah, yeah, right. Big big money, big casinos. Granted, not nearly the casinos we're talking about elsewhere, but, but everybody's in high rises because it's like three-quarters of a mile in one direction is the entire country. I mean, it's, it, it's <laughs> yeah. so packed in. Very similar. Keep going. Get this. The apartment complex that Cameron lives in has
1: 14 towers mm. and approximately one parking spot per apartment. But they're not assigned to the apartments, and you definitely don't get a parking spot included in your rent. Man, so that means man. the monthly fee for this rental is in his building starts at $400 U.S.
0: Dollars. For the parking space. For the parking Forget space. what he's paying to live on there. On top of rent. Yeah.
1: Cameron and his wife park their car at a nearby zoo or an adjacent industrial area and happily walk five to ten minutes home, sometimes past scary stray dogs, and they're not the only ones who try and save on parking. Mm. So that means they drive a 2005 Mazda 3 that their friend left to them when his work visa was canceled. He had to leave abruptly. So he says, Clearly, we don't have too much invested in the car and don't mind parking out on the streets.
0: However... <laughs> Just like Monaco. Crazy. This is just like Monaco, where it's one of those places where there is nowhere to drive fast. That's the key thing to take away from this whole conversation. Yeah. There is nowhere to drive quickly. In spite of the fact that Monaco has an F one track. There is <laughs> nowhere in that town to drive quickly. It's a and giant the, and cruise. Yet, the cars you see there are astounding. And that's the case here in Macau. He says he sees Tesla model threes and S's and X's, AMG G sixty threes,
1: Aventadors, countless Porsches and Audis and BMWs and Mercedes illegally parked on the street daily. <laughs> This means seeing these cars often parked under trees that drop flowers and sap and bird droppings, which I, he says, I know really trigger me.
0: Yes. Yeah, Paul might need a a minute because
1: that's insane. Yeah. Vein in my forehead. He says there's also a roundabout at his apartment complex about half the size of an athletics track. Okay. It has three lanes the entire way around, and every night around 10 p.m., the two outside lanes become populated with all
0: kinds of cars, leaving the middle lane empty for the traffic to flow through. People are using the roundabout as parking. As
1: parking.
0: That's astounding to me. Who had that idea first? Seriously, that, that's the thing I want to know. Who's the guy that for the was first person to be like, I have a Lamborghini. I'm just going to park it. I'm going to park it here. In the roundabout. Just park it right here. Nobody's going to hit it. It's orange. But then, get this, before 9 a.m. the next morning, all the cars
1: have disappeared before the police show up to hand out tickets. <laughs> police don't work overnight in Macau. <laughs> where do they go? <laughs> well, I want to know where do the cars go?
0: Well, yes, exactly. They're so, are they driving around. What's going on? Yeah, that's fine. Cameron,
1: does that mean this is a giant car show on a nightly basis? Apparently, then? yeah. So that's where everybody parks to come look at my car, yeah. and then they disappear back to their garages. Not cars because, and
0: coffee. It's cars and roundabout. It's just, <laughs> there, it's just we there we go. Oh, yeah.
1: there we go. Wow. He said, Cameron says, in the first year they've had their car, they've gotten four tickets, adding up to about $100
0: U.S. And that's four tickets for parking randomly in this industrial parking lot, which is essentially nothing for the the fee compared to the $400 a month to rent a space. Yeah. That makes financial sense. Until some other
1: new apartment complex is
0: built there. There you go.
1: He says, this is much better to get those tickets than the $5,000 U.S. dollars they would have spent on parking their car Mm. otherwise. He says, compared to Australia, and he assumes America, this sort of car ownership is outrageous. But people there don't really seem to think it's a big deal. Wow. Mm. Cameron, thank you for writing. I, like I said,
0: it's something that wouldn't ever have occurred to me. And he, he's not doesn't have a question or an update. He's just a question or a topic to anything. He's just saying, this is what goes on where <laughs> I live. And it is nuts to hear about. So we really appreciate you writing in, Cameron. That's awesome. You going to the cars and roundabout in the morning? You yeah, believe it, of course. Man. It's going to be awesome. I'm already parked.
1: We're proud to have Covercraft as a TV and podcast sponsor. Covercraft not only makes the best custom-fit car covers, but also has all
0: the products you need to get ready for car show and travel season. Products like seat covers, dash covers, sunscreens, and more, they're all custom-tailored for your vehicles and made with a quality and attention to detail that's been standard for Covercraft since 1965. All of our cars are an expensive investment, from personal fun cars to SUVs to cheap sports cars like our crazy ones right now. Covercraft is focused on protecting the car, SUV, truck, or boat that you love. Whatever cover
1: or sunscreen you choose, remember to use the code EVERYDAY21 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com. Follow the link from our sponsors page at EverydayDriver.com for high-quality covers that keep your vehicles protected and looking their best. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Paul Wise in Toronto, Ontario. He's writing with a manual transmission commitment issue. (laughs) He wants to experience what manual driving is all about, spoil, and spoiled by tech and build quality and features like ventilated seats and okay. COVID traffic. The he low says, COVID traffic.
0: He, yeah. he wishes that would stay, which I think <laughs> so a lot agreed. of people do. But yeah, you know, let's hope COVID goes away.
1: Agreed, Paul. Uh, hopefully, by uh, well, just in a, another week or so, our instruction video with our cheap sports cars is going to be out on YouTube, teaching two young drivers how to Coming drive manual This Thursday,
0: seats. it's going to be great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So check that out when you get a chance. Thanks to Auto Tempest and. Power Stop Brakes for bringing that to you. He says, regular 45, 60-minute commute, but in the pandemic, 25 minutes. No problem.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: Well, he uh, he has this commitment issue. Mm-hmm. He took up an interest in cars way back in 2017 when his family finally decided to get rid of the SUV, which was a 2012 Highlander upgraded from a 2002 Highlander.
0: They like Highlanders. They kept buying Highlanders. Well, he says they're He's built like tanks.
1: They are, yeah. That's a great marketing slogan for Toyota. Yes. Get the Highlander. Instead of the family SUV, a 2018 Crosstrek, he says it served the purpose of going from point A to B, but that was about it. Mm-hmm. From then on, he had the choice of getting his own car and picked up a lease takeover on a 2018 IS300. Interesting. He says it was fun and interesting and fun experience at the, at the time. Who knew one could, could sit closer to the ground in a car?
0: So the IS300 convinces him that a rear-wheel drive sedan might be cool after owning a string of SUVs and then stepping down to the cross track. This is you are coming down another level yeah. because even the cross has got like an eight inch ground clearance. The IS three hundred yeah. might have half that, so that is quite a quite a step down. He says now that the lease is passed, over and done with. He's now driving a twenty eighteen Audi
1: A five, which okay. has checked off all the boxes he had in mind: all wheel drive for winter, Android Auto, Apple CarPlay are just great and useful. The hatch and trunk space for the usefulness. He says it's
0: a side effect of all the. SUVs. He thinks he needs a hatch all the time. I get that. Yeah, Yeah, for sure.
1: And finally, ventilated seats from the IS was something he never thought he'd need. Interesting. Okay. All right. But now comes the part where he wants to know more about driving cars, since he's not at the point where he understands wrenching and mechanics. So why not start driving a manual transmission car? I like that. That's good. He says only a handful of friends that he knows drives a manual and everyone else is going for the cool sports cars that can go vroom, vroom, the good old single life. But wait, Todd here has proven he's a married man yes. and has
0: a kid. Buy fun things. He's got anyway, an release. Yes.
1: He says the manual drivers don't really feel it anymore when it comes to stop and go traffic since they've been driving manual for so long and they're just numb to it. His commute to work now is about 30 miles round trip, mostly highway, with a stretch where he can rev the car out between the highway connection. But other than work and normal driving, he doesn't really do much else with the car, like tracking or autocross. And
0: doesn't plan to. It doesn't sound like that. Yeah.
1: But he has picked up hand-washing, thanks to the tutorial from me. I love it. <laughs> so you use the single-bucket method, thanks to Paul? Right. Yeah, okay. Now, another concern is winter driving, but he says, what he's seen and heard from the FRS videos yeah. and the podcast, it's all about the tires. It is entirely
0: Indeed. about the tires. It really is. Today, in fact, we had a freak <laughs> snowstorm. <laughs> yeah. Freak snowstorm today, as I'm coming to this podcast. In the drive, we have a Ford pickup. <laughs> I brought the Z4, because the Ford pickup, while being a pickup... While well, everyone would think you should take the pickup because it's snowing. It's not on winter tires, and the Z4 still is. Yeah. And so I took the Z4 happily.
1: It's snowing outside. Yeah. I'm uh,
0: not taking the 4x4. I'm not taking – why would I take the 4x4? Take sports the sports right car. car. I'm taking the sports car. I was very happy on the way over, yes. On the right tires.
1: Now, it comes down to – for Paul, whether he wants to still live with driving manual once the traffic comes back, and some of those comforts that the IS and the A5 have given him – He's had a few cars in mind with a budget of $23,000 U.S. It's about $30,000 Canadian. Depending on when he gets the car, the budget might move around. But for right now, he only needs one car for himself and the fiance. Now, she doesn't really care for cars as they do nothing but depreciate in her eyes. He says, strange considering she's worked for FCA. But Paul, she's absolutely right. Yeah, true. There are some generalities and there's some caveats in there, but
0: for the most part she's right you're buying a depreciating object absolutely maybe she worked in FCA in the credit department we don't know <laughs> maybe that might be her that she might be a minister of finance it might be really really good they do depreciate <laughs> that's thing the minute you drive your this is the old joke but it's true the minute you drive a brand new car off the lot guess what it's worth more than it was before you drove it off the lot and that first few years the depreciation can be a cliff you buy a, a luxury car it is a cliff yeah which yeah. is why used cars are great but then of course a new car you you're the first and only person ever in it which is cool Yeah, great. Well,
1: he's looking at the future BRZ in 86. He says, well, I'm not sure about the price yet, maybe wait." but he would consider the old version, but from all the not fast enough discussion has swung him towards that newer version, and that Civic Si is what his friend drives, but he'd rather not fall on the stereotype of another Asian guy driving a Civic. Okay. Here nor there to me. Yeah. He says GTI, GLI would be nice. Build quality would be more comparable with his
0: Audi. So the A5 interior has ruined him is what I'm reading here. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm coming to my suggestions here, Paul. And I I really appreciate your email because I know you want to commit to it, but you're really trying to take into consideration your family and your needs, all that kind of stuff. And that's what everybody's dealing with, everybody listening. Mm -hmm. But emotions plus cars is not acknowledged here. Mm. Your fiance is correct. As I've said, most of the time, Cars are just a depreciating asset, yeah. but that's a clinical viewpoint from somebody who doesn't really like them. That's
0: totally fine. There's many people who don't like cars. That's, I'm good with that. Well, and whatever your hobby is, what our joke is whatever hole you throw your money down, you have bought something depreciating. You bought uh, mm-hmm. clothes, you bought uh, golf clubs, you bought a gym membership. Mm-hmm. Whatever your thing is that you put money at that is your hobby that gives you joy is worth less this year than last year, unless you collect paintings i guess but generally in in general whatever <laughs> Who you collects paintings well there are those folks nobody i know exactly whatever it is you're buying for fun is just appreciating well interesting you brought up clothes to quote john
1: malkovich in red 2 style oh, wow. is the only constant in life frank
0: <laughs> if you haven't seen the red movies surprise so yourself they're funny. very fun yeah
1: Okay, so what if we all wore clothes that were just to provide cover for our bodies, just Mm -hmm. out of modesty or temperature? They were just a covering.
0: The general earth coverall with the V on it. (laughs) Yes. It's going to be great. It's just a poncho for everybody. I know it.
1: Why does anybody care about how they look? The existence of the fashion industry, Paul, is predicated on people caring about their personal style in addition to some usefulness, and that can translate to cars, Like lightweight manual transmission sports cars are not that useful, but they are fun. Mm -hmm. There's other cars that are the style equivalent of cargo shorts. They're not very stylish. They're sort of like wearing socks with sandals, but they're useful nonetheless. They are useful, yes. So what I'm looking for are the manual transmission cars that give you that usefulness, but mm, still fun. Mm, okay. And they do exist. They're still for sale, even brand new. But I've got a long list here for you for things to consider that hopefully will alleviate all your fears about just driving something stereotypical, if that's what you're looking at or concerned about. Mm, okay. But something that will hopefully provide a, a measure of fun. You know, you're introducing fun to your fiancé. Like, look. It's got a hatch. It's got rear seats. It's got space in the back to carry anything. Whatever, yeah. We'll go with landscaping supplies.
0: How about that? <laughs> we know someone who, she has a 911 and she carries mulch in the frunk. She's mulch a gardener. in the trunk. That's how she gets it done.
1: Now, a useful compromise to start out with is the Hyundai Veloster, whether it's the Turbo, the Turbo mm-hmm. R, the N, whatever mm, that that's is. good. But Mazda 3 builds a manual for $27,500. That's the cheapest one you can buy. Okay, Right about that price—that's U.S. dollars. A BMW 2 Series, a Mini Cooper, a Subaru WRX. You can find a 2020 Genesis G70 with a manual and drive a rather stylish large sedan. Hard to find in a manual, but they do exist. There's a few of them. Honda Accord, Honda Fit, Golf, or Jetta, as you said. But that brings me to the car that I think you should consider, and I can't believe I'm about to do this, but I'm about to recommend a Corolla. Look at you. I think this is a world first. The current XSE hatch? Is yeah. that where you're going?
0: I think you may have said it one more time because that car has been the great exception to the. Your okay, Corolla. maybe so,
1: but I can't believe I'm doing it again
0: then. Okay, all right. Yeah. Because
1: that XSE is a manual and gives you all the joys of shifting yourself,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it's still a Corolla. And you can sell your fiancé on the benefits of a car that didn't cost too much to start with, new or used. Agreed, agreed, yep. You get it in that blue. It looks kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. But the insurance isn't going to be like a manual transmission sports car. Would mm, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, it's got back seats and a hatch. And it's so fun. it's not the hottest thing ever. It's not the most power thing, powerful mm-hmm, thing ever. Mm-hmm. But generally fun, yeah. Generally fun. And you said on your commute, you're not going to be tracking or autocrossing it anyway. Yeah. So we're yeah. not going after high horsepower. And it doesn't look too bad either. That's true. They're
0: very cool. So XSE hatch. That's not bad. They were used. That's not bad. I do like that. Paul, I have other thoughts for you uh, because I kind of chase the rabbit trail of sports car combined with heated and cooled seats. Or heated oh, I forgot and about the seats. seats. I'm sure and you can get them in there. That's difficult. The cooling there's seats is a, a new lot feature, of, but... A lot of th- And by the way, there's a difference, side note, between ventilated seats where it sucks the heat away from you <laughs> or cooled seats where it blows cold onto you. That, that, oh, my <laughs> That's gosh. a bit more exciting. It, it is a bit more exciting. It, 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 the wrong car can get quite exciting. It's <laughs> happened before. Anyway, heated and cooled seats. So let's talk about that for a second. You know what I think might work mm. is you can get good ones used. That is a Nissan three seventy Z, or get the world's greatest deal on a current one before the four hundred shows up and they're trying to get rid of the three seventies. You can get. You them can with, celebrate their fortieth and their fiftieth anniversary yes, you you can, can. with the same, same car. car. Maybe if you're right, you, maybe you can maybe get them to double stamp the logos. <laughs> anyway, badges so, everywhere. There, it is possible to get cooled seats in that car. They initially only offered them on the convertible. I think. You can get them on the Coupe now. I'm not, I'm not certain of that. I think you can get them on the Coupe now, but they originally only offered them in the Roadster. The seats you the are talking? Seats, the, ventilated. the The heated is fine, but ventilated was a separate thing. It typically was a convertible thing. Ah. But it's six-speed. With RevMatch, you can turn off. So I'm also thinking about it helping you learn. Oh, that's a good point. I so, like that. And it would make it easy to commute. mm that rev matches, they were one of the first ones to do that, and it has a fantastic off button. When you get good enough, you'd, you'd like to do it for yourself, but it also is a very good system. So possibly a slightly used Nissan 370Z. The problem with those cars is they're not worth it new, but you could get lots of options used. Come on, about $25,000, that works. That's absolutely a worthwhile one. So that's a good one. I think you could surprise yourself with a Mazda MX-5. Now, they don't have ventilated seats. But one of the things I've been really surprised by in the current MX-5, the ND, the fourth gen, is that when you get in it, it has everything you can think of that a mid-$30,000 nice sedan would have fit into a Miata-sized space. Hmm. It's a very nice interior. You're worried about interiors living up to your expectations. I think that one's going to shock you. Now, it's small. And you're not going to haul a bunch of stuff. But I don't get the sense you're I mean, you used to hauling a bunch of stuff. But I also don't get the sense you need to haul a bunch of stuff. It's not like, here is all the gear I haul. Here's my tuba. You haven't listed that kind of thing. So (laughs) while you're used to it, you don't say you really use it much. So that makes me think, look at the current generation MX-5. That is another one that, manual transmission-wise, is just easy to drive all the time. Mm. You sit and stop and go in that. The clutch is never going to wear you out. That works. You could shop Cayman's. But the difficulty of finding a used one with ventilated seats is going to be needle in a haystack. You have to find the right person that bought the right one with the right package. Now it's for sale at your price. Used. And the price goes up. Oh, my gosh. That's mm-hmm. going to be hard. Yeah. I do have to say I love your Veloster N. I don't think it has the ventilated seats, but I love the Veloster N. That's a great one. I like your Corolla quite a bit as well. That's a good one. You have mentioned the GTI, and I have to say GTI solves this. You have... Near A5 style build quality, you can get the heated and ventilated seats, you can get the Apple CarPlay. Yes, the GTI works here. I would like to have you in something like a Veloster or the Corolla because I think they're a little more interesting to drive, but you cannot deny that the GTI checks every single box here, Paul, so see what you think. This is really just a concerted effort, a very
1: focused effort on my part when the GR Corolla is finally introduced and available, okay. I can point to my history and say, no, no, I love Corollas all I this like time. I Corollas.
0: I promise you I do.
1: I, I've always recommended Corollas. What are you talking about? And then the GR Corolla's here. And then I can say, well, of
0: course, I'm a Corolla fan. See my tattoo right here? We're going to get a shirt from Paul that just says "Longtime Corolla <laughs> fan. It's going to be great. He's oh, going to no. wear it all the time. We're going to get in every color. Oh, that backfired. Lewis
1: P. on Facebook asked what we think about the new hydrogen internal combustion engine Toyota is developing for racing says, it sounds like it could be the green enthusiast architecture we've all been waiting for. I think, Lewis, that the proliferation of electric cars has pushed development of internal combustion engines right along. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, absolutely it has.
1: And I think the companies that have the resources like Toyota does to continue to invest in things like hydrogen and continuing to refine the internal combustion engine – I think that's only a good thing because here's Porsche with synthetic fuels. Here's Toyota still pushing hydrogen and everybody's going, what electric's the future. Maybe not. Maybe it's part of the future. I think that's more likely that it's part of the future. What else do we have out there for sure? Which is pretty encouraging. And now it's my understanding reading Toyota's press release on this, that this is really just for racing at this point, but they do acknowledge this. And that's something that we're, we're all concerned about with electric cars. It says, While having an excellent environmental performance, hydrogen engines also have the potential to relay the fun of driving through sounds and vibrations. Mm. That is the the selling point. That is a crucial key of car ownership and why we love cars. Yeah, why we love V 8s for sure. Why nine eleven freaks love the flat six six Uh engine. Uh Yeah, and racing. You want to hear the car go by? You know, you want to hear that engine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There they went again. (laughs)
1: Formula E right now. (laughs) The front of the pack's coming by. They're even even acknowledging that that is a big part of car ownership fun. Yeah. And this also will solve or help solve and continue to keep Toyota's position as a sports car leader. I'm Mm, calling it now. mm, Interesting. By virtue of an uh, internal combustion engine being placed somewhere in the architecture of a car, overcoming the standard weight distribution of all electric cars. Mm. And that is the flat floor with a battery between the two axles it doesn't make sense to build an electric car that isn't that architecture. Of course not. Absolutely not. Yeah. And so here's Toyota with another solution, mm. another alternative.
0: They do this while Porsche makes synthetic fuels. Yeah.
1: Right. But that could help Toyota position them as a sports car leader. Here's this mm. racing-derived internal combustion engine that goes into our sports cars. Yeah, yeah. And for the MPVs, the people movers, maybe those get the electric power, powertrain power, you know, architecture. Sure, interesting. Which yeah. is fine well a people mover should have that architecture because that's the best way to use the space for sure yeah so maybe and we've known that toyota is exploring electric vehicles already in addition to their hydrogen research so all this to say is i love the fact that the proliferation of electric has pushed car manufacturers to continue to develop other solutions alongside electric Mm. and i hope i as an optimist i like i would like to think that Car companies will continue to explore this car companies that don't have the resources that Toyota does won't be able to do this. It's either yeah. we got to switch from gas to electric and that's we're, we're all in. Maybe their brand doesn't give enough, get enough money from the mothership. So they just, that's the new brand like <laughs> infinity. Like we're all in because Nissan said so or something. I, I don't know. I'm not part of the business discussions. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't call us.
0: This is true. Yeah.
1: But what about those manufacturers like Porsche, like Toyota that will continue to push and offer a selection of different
0: vehicles, Mm. which only, I think, bodes well. That's good. That's good. Alan on Facebook is asking a question about throttle response. He says, are are vehicles programmed to stay in higher gears regardless of the conditions to maximize MPG? And then you go on. And the the short answer, Alan, is yes. Yes. (laughs) The whole reason that we have eight, nine, ten gear transmissions right now is not, by the way, because they were needed. Mm -hmm. It is because we need as much miles per gallon in the top gear as possible. And if you get into any people mover of any kind, CUV, minivan, whatever, that has a multi-speed transmission like I'm talking about, Mm -hmm. eight or nine gears, it is actually a challenge to make it be in the lower four (laughs) because it wants to be in the upper four or five all the time as fast as possible. We recently had a uh, Honda Odyssey. Its natural inclination was to shift before 2,000 RPM. And I had to hear about that, everyone. I, I had to hear it, about It's it on lot. the test drive. We I talked know. about <laughs> it. Because I talked about it's <laughs> fact, practically a scavenger hunt to discover the fact that the engine actually has power because the power is over 4,000 RPM. You have to murder that transmission <laughs> yeah, to right. tell it I'm really serious now. The number of clicks yeah. on the down paddle to go, no, 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 uh, no. No, I'm serious. No, no, keep coming. There we go. Because it wants to get miles per gallon. Now, think about its purpose. Its purpose is to take you and the family wherever you need to go with a lot of space and a lot of usability. Miles per gallon is a factor there. So let's get as high as we can, as fast as we can, and even when you have cars with sport modes, often they still shift earlier than you might think. It depends on the car. Some of them are great, but a lot of them still shift early. You even said that you find it infuriating because you have to go so deep into the pedal. On well, you didn't tell us what. On most cars, on the car you have to, when you're going up a hill to get it to maintain, that it finally thinks you're so serious it jumps like four gears, and you were like, "Can you downshift once?" But what you're fighting yeah. here is absolutely miles per gallon programming.
1: Odyssey owners everywhere. Click, click. Nope, nope. Click, 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 click. Nope. Seriously? I'm showing you who's boss. Click, 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 click.
0: It's click. a 10-speed a transmission. It's so funny. And it got out of the bottom four
1: as fast as it possibly it could. Yeah, it did. Cutler Colin 99 says, Paul, I know you like Earth Roamers, but what are my thoughts on Sherps? Earth Roamers represent a lifestyle change to me. Okay. It's your tiny house that happens to drive. That's why exactly. you like them. That's why you're intrigued. You buy one of those, and you you've invested enough in them. Used ones, I've checked out the Earthroom <laughs> website. Know you have. There are a couple. There are a couple hundred thousand dollars mm-hmm. just for a, a used house. one. Yeah. For the the entry level brand new one, if you're going to wait a long time for your order to be completed, and you're going to pay half a million dollars, mm. the big daddy is one point five million. Mm. So you've invested a lot of money into this, which means you're thinking, I'm going to plan a big trip around this thing. I'm going to do stuff, which represents lifestyle change. Mm -hmm. Whereas Sherps represent another hold
0: my beer moment in time. Yes. It's it's like like buying a razor. You buy a razor for specific, you've got to see this. This is hysterical tasks.
1: Exactly. Sherps are built to prove they can go where they're built to go. It's sort of like this redundant thing. They're <laughs> built to do the thing that they're built to do, and I'm going to show you that they're built to do yeah, it. Yeah, have you seen that it does this yet? By the way, it floats. Yeah. Y- yes. Is there any sharp owner besides any YouTuber who actually owns one to go hunting or just exploring? Mm-hmm. And they don't. those people don't really talk about their vehicles. They just go do the thing that they're out there to do. The vehicle is just
0: literally the vehicle that got them there to do the thing they're doing. Well, and they stayed somewhere nice and then they drove the yes. Sherp probably on the back of a trailer, pulled behind some very expensive pickup that pulled it out to the middle of nowhere. And now yes. they drove the sh- drove the Sherp across the lake and over the hills and through the stumps and <laughs> through the bog. Can you believe There's we got here? Always a bog. There's gotta be a bog involved. Yeah.
1: But they're not really posting about their vehicles. Like look at what it can do. They're just going to do the thing that and living their
0: life. I have a theory on why Sherps don't make YouTube good YouTube vehicles. Okay. They're not fast enough. Yeah, they're not fast They're enough. like 25 miles an hour, and they're screaming. And everybody's they,
1: like, look but what they, they can do. But they do everything.
0: Yeah. T. No on Instagram says, if your favorite, he, th- he means his favorite, if your favorite M3 is the E46 generation. Now, this is the iconic mid-2000s M3. Mm. For those of you mm. that are trying to picture it, that's what it is. If your favorite is the E46 generation, do we think the current generation M2 competition is, is a better buy than the last two gens prior to get close to the feel of the E46? First off, we have a BMW M3 comparison film called Icon that mostly answers this question. Mm -hmm. Having said that, the thing about the E46 is straight six, naturally aspirated, meaning it is not a turbo, and a hydraulic steering rack. That combination is difficult to find in the BMW lineup since. It's appeared in weird places like the X1 and X3, but... It died away pretty quickly, okay, after Mm -hmm. that generation. So right now, if you buy a M2, which is very good, you're buying electric steering assist and you're buying turbos. So it fundamentally feels different. Now, you're right. Size-wise, it is the closest thing to what you're chasing. However, the next-gen 1 series, when they were doing the E90 next-generation V8 M3, the 1 series of that generation actually felt closer to the E46. Okay, yeah. If you bought a 135i or a 135is properly specced, it felt pretty close to the E46. So that's the one I would chase. You're right. The next two generations of the M3 got significantly larger. The M2 is closest in size, but it isn't closest in feel because of those changes. Richard
1: A. says, what aspect of a car makes it more fun than a similar car? For example, engine and exhaust note or fast revving or nimble handling, etc. Well, it's all those things combined. What still amazes me, Richard, is all these car makers are still using the same materials Mm -hmm. and you get a completely different feel out of steel and aluminum and leather and plastic and urethane and glass. And what is the difference? And that is how it's put together and the engine placement and how the handling is set up and all those things truly do matter. Mm -hmm. All those things you listed as a matter of fact. And the nuances between any one of those can change your feeling and opinion about it. Just a different feeling shifter alone can think, sure. That's it. Or the way the chassis handles the weight of the car.
0: Wow, that just really speaks to me. I like that feeling in that car. Great. Richard, it's all of the above. Like Paul said, I think when it comes down to personal preference, it's which of the things on your list is the thing that's most important to you. And I'll give you a personal example. I really like steering feel. I'm spoiled on it on the Elise. I don't care that much about exhaust note. I mean, it's a factor.
1: Mm -hmm. But if
0: that car Mm -hmm. sounds worse than this car, but the car that sounds worse handles better because there's more steering feel, I'm going to get the one that sounds worse. I don't need the best sounding exhaust note if you'll give me steering and handling feel that I most enjoy because that's my preference. I have met people that if it doesn't sound good, I'm not even going to sit in the car. I don't care, Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. Part of the reason that the, the Mustang GT350 is such a great car is because it sounds glorious. Now, thankfully, it's also good to drive. But I think the sound of that car is a big factor. If you're a person who sound is primary, then go get a Mustang GT 350 and call yeah. it a day. Thankfully, it drives well. So there is there's personal preference that comes in here too.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. I'm I'm thinking about my own personal preferences on Porsche because, yeah, I prioritize handling, but also on the equal level is build quality and power and noise. This is why I
0: own a Lotus and you don't?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that actually ties into a question from Dammit Patton here. It says, "What is one car either of you would own, except for the one thing you don't like about it?" Mm. I would own on a lease, except for the one things I don't the like one about things. it. <laughs> <laughs> Many, I, I don't like the feeling. Like, wow. It just feels flimsy and cheap and like it's going to fall apart around me. But, man, is this handling great. And that corner was so fun. I would own a lease, except all those other priorities
0: are on an equal level for me. That's funny. That's funny. See, I would own a Miata, but my problem is I don't want to have to change the car fundamentally to fit. I don't you shouldn't it. have to. And so ideally. I know you can fix this. You can buy this rail. You can change this seat. You can take this foam out. I, I'd like to just buy the car and drive it home, please. with my head bent, bent to the side, not possible in a Miata. <laughs> yeah, right. And I really enjoy them.
1: Yeah. Petrolhead 2003 asked me a design question. What is the most important design element on a car? Hmm. I will answer that with Alex HCO9's question, who has a quick story. He and his wife were driving through the local BMW lot and saw the new 3 Series. (laughs) I'm sorry. He asked his (laughs) wife what she thought of the new enormous grill, to which she replied, why did they put butt cheeks on the front?
0: (laughs) Ha 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 ha!
1: I hope that answers your question petrolhead because it's the front face of the car mm-hmm. it's the signature look of yeah, any part yeah. of the car it is the leading edge of the car Yeah I can see it where it goes forward that's the most important signature established the look because you walk around the back of that M3 M4 and you think wow stylish classy handsome BMW what is that <laughs> <laughs> What
0: happened up here don't just keep just just look at it from the back it's the most
1: when whenever we see a car yeah, the back's nice, the side's nice, but what is the, the thing that is the leading signature mm. look to Mustangs and BMWs and mm-hmm. Porsche? Name a car. It is the front of the car, that
0: leading edge. That's good. That's good. Matt Guerrero 82 says, how do you draw a line in worthiness, this is a difficult one, between an older, more premium car and a newer but cheaper car? His examples specifically are, this is a new versus used question. The Cayman 987, which is the first-generation Cayman. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the, what is it, 06 to about 2012. Mm-hmm. And, exactly. and the update was like 09, which is the ones that are past IMS. So anyway, yep. that's a little Porsche geekdom for a minute. Geekdom. The, the, the first-gen of the Porsche Cayman, or a brand-new Miata MX-5 RF, which we love on this show. Yeah. Okay? But he's saying, how do you how do you judge which one's more worth your money? Because theoretically, and this is his point— You could spend the same money on a used Cayman as a new Miata. What makes one more worth it than the other? Now, first off, Matt, this is a fundamentally personal question because various ones of us have different tolerance for the depreciation of a new car versus a used car. That could be a factor. I have this much money, but I don't want to take a depreciation hit. Whether you're buying the used Cayman because the depreciation has already happened. Yeah. Or I, I don't want a car that costs that much. It's going to cost forever. It's going to cost everything to keep it on the road. Well, you're not going to buy a used German performance car. You're going to buy a brand new Japanese sports car. Mm. So where are your tolerance levels? All of this changes a lot. You have to think about what are the things that you most enjoy about a car and which one of those serves them best. Mm. You've picked two cars that we both love. But back to the question prior, if I was personally deciding between the two, I would get the Cayman because I don't fit in the RF. Okay. But if I were shopping, that RF is one of the most beautiful cars I've ever seen. Full stop. It's compelling. I agree. So you have to really debate that. Also, preciousness is a factor. True. If you're going to buy an old premium brand, but because it is so premium, I'm just going to pick one for a second. You're going to buy an old Aston Martin because you can afford it. Yeah. You're not going to get a new Honda. You're going to buy an Aston Martin because you can afford it used. But now you never drive it, and you don't drive it in the rain, and you're never going to drive it through that situation because I, I can't. But you would have driven your Honda.
1: <laughs> yeah. So
0: that now was a bad purchase because you're too precious with, with it to use it for what it's used for, and that is to drive it.
1: I'm raising my hand over here. Lawrence D. continues the thought here. He's got a 987 Boxster and a 981 Cayman and room for another sports car a friend of his has a european auto repair shop oh wow so you're buying all the porsches Mm -hmm. he's got an 86 928s that is in decent shape and will be available to buy soon at a reasonable price
0: so a third porsche in this person's garage i have no
1: objections i'm not surprised you don't his question is when is 928 the answer (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah well okay <laughs> paul loves these things paul had one of these things this is why you're asking i realize but i'm also just embracing everyone that's not ready because this could be another whole podcast
1: two reasons lawrence very quickly i love corvettes i love the new mid-engine c8 Make i great. love all seven of the other generations imagine porsche building a corvette a front engine corvette oh, okay sure. imagine that feeling sure, sure. but to push you over the edge the Weissach rear axle, a very unique, only on the 928 mm. architecture that makes it handle when it's working properly, but makes it handle <laughs> like no other GT car ever created. What's the difference? What's it do? It's the positioning. It's the way that rear wheel articulates mm. in corners and the way it balances okay. the weight of the car. And throws around. It's the Viseok rear axle, only on Porsche It's engineered for that car. That was the direction Porsche was going until everybody squawked and said, no, 911s still need to be around. And I love 911s. Mm. But I really love Caymans because of the mid-engine. And I got an opportunity to buy a 928. I, I hopefully have given you a reason. A quick question from Bob M., who asks us what we think of the California duster. Will it scratch his car?
0: If so, is there a better way to remove dust? <laughs> People are just walking in and giving you like an hour's worth of rant time. No. The last the question and this one both are that. Because, uh, hang on, before, before you answer, I have to dive in <laughs> okay, here real quick. Okay. California has a unique dust problem. Indeed. When you drive yes. your car out of the car wash, I know. <laughs> Paul would not be driving out of the car wash. When you drive your car exactly. out of the car wash... It instantly has this weird layer of dust. You you drove three blocks down and stopped at the store on your way home, and you come out, and you're like, why is it already dusty? It's a unique (laughs) California issue I have never encountered anyone with. It's it's this slight, fine, little bit reddish dust. This is why the California duster was created. And yes, it works. I am going to say, I'm going to release Paul in just a second. gonna release the hounds. If you are a person who takes your car through the tunnel car wash, you may as well have a California car duster yeah now i'm letting paul off the leash you should have one anyway but bob
1: i think it's great i think if you live in california you should have one your use outside of california won't be quite as high depends on your area surprised you like it as much as you do to be honest no it won't scratch your car if you use it properly it's not to be swirled around we're not doing circular motions with it you go with the grain of the car the way the wind flows over the car, so that is the grain of the car. <laughs> the and you go in one direction, one direction, one direction only. You. That's good. Okay. What's cool is Grios offers two. And they're made out of microfiber, which means you can wash them. There you go. Most California car dusters, including the original, they say do not wash this.
0: Yeah, which is a problem. because
1: of the static cling on the fibers, and mm-hmm. that's what mm-hmm. it it uses. But over time the dust builds up on those unlike the Grios products, which is microfiber, which you can put them in the wash, there you use go. them properly, there you go. instructions. But that is the difference, and, and yeah, I recommend them. Wow, guys. Thank you for all your questions. Yeah, really sure. appreciate it. Podcast 600 is coming, so ready your questions for online. We will be excited to take those. That will be a YouTube live feed. It'll be very cool. We're really looking forward to it. And subsequent podcasts. Thank you guys so much. Cheers.